When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. It's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good, Casey. Super good. Good deal. So, before we started recording, sat down and kind of talked about what we were going to do and thought about a few things. And I think probably the one thing, Sean, that we should probably hit on because of the time of the year we're at and, and some of the stuff you've been talking about is planting season and what that weather pattern is looking like right now. So pretty much it's happening kind of like you said, you know, we're going to see a pretty good, easy going planting season. We're seeing that now we got good soil uh, moisture uh, uh, maps and stuff out there showing good moisture in the soil in the Midwest. We're seeing some relatively dry conditions in the, in the, in the West, but we're seeing a lot of snowpack as well, Sean. So I guess talk about what you've seen so far and if your models are holding up to what you thought they might be. Yeah, I mean, good soil, good soil moisture. We're even starting to get some rains in the Southern Plains finally this coming week. Looks like we're going to get inches of rain finally, and even in West Texas. So even they're going to start getting. So, so you know, yeah, there's every year, Casey, there's always an area, oh, you know, it's not going good there and all. But for the outside, like the Northern Plains, because of the flooding up there and some of the snow that's still there and the cold weather that they, they're a little delayed, you know, that, that could be an issue and probably will be an issue for spring week, Casey. But everything else, if you look at the the uh, 
Made in Julian Oscillation, which is called the MJO for, for short. Um, there's different phases, one through eight. Uh, typically, you know, right now we're in what's called the cold phase. It's um, uh, phase one, but we're going to be moving into phase um, four, five, and six, which is hot, you know, kind of a hot teleconnection as we get into mid-May. So even in the northern areas where they're having a slow, they're going to be able to rock and roll in mid-May and, and pretty much get we can pretty much plant the whole crop if everybody wants to within one week, pretty much. Sure. I mean, there's some people, there's some guys in Southern Illinois, they're already fully done because they just got going and they just never stopped. Yeah. Um, so I just do not believe outside of spring wheat that planting is going to be a driver of prices. And it almost never really is even 2019, which was one of the worst, uh, rainiest delayed planting seasons we've ever had. You had to go back to 1993, anything like it. And they still didn't react the market to the upside until we got into June when it, it, I mean, you needed to be delayed into mid June before the market actually gave a hoot about it. So if you're looking for a rally on planting, it's not going to happen and it shouldn't happen. Um, if you, it's interesting, we've talked about the analog to 2012 because 2012 was a transition year from La Nina to El Nino. Everyone was expecting El Nino that year. Everyone was expecting cool, wet weather that year. We had negative Pacific decadal oscillation like we have today, which is cold sea surface temperatures off the coast of California. Uh, we had that big warm blob in the North Central Pacific. We had the warm water around the East Pacific, but we didn't have El Nino in the center. It's exactly what we have today. Um, and if you look at the subsoil moisture maps um, in April, almost the entire Midwest had great subsoil moisture. Even into May, 85% had great subsoil moisture. And then June, boom, all of a sudden these reds and blacks started coming. And then July, blacks in Iowa, blacks in Illinois. We have not seen a, July, you know, a, a drought in that Iowa, Illinois, Indiana corridor since 2012 but that's how quickly things can change when you have this type of sea surface temperature uh set up like we do today so you know i always equate it just because i live here in south florida i always kind of view it as it's the calm before the storm it's the eye of the hurricane meaning that you're in this period of calm where everything looks great you know subsoil moisture looks great planting's going well you know El Nino is coming, supposedly. I mean, everyone is just saying there's no hope, no future, and they're pounding the grain markets, as we see, um, day in and day out, and they're going to continue to do that. If you look at the price analog for corn, for example, which I think is a very good price analog to watch. No two years are exactly the same, but a lot of times they rhyme. You know, We made a hard low in corn in mid-May, bottomed into early June, and then as the dry weather pattern started to become you know, more manifested to the market psychology, we started to really turn up in mid-June. And then from mid-June to the first week of August, we put $3 on, on the corn market in that short period of time. Now, obviously that's not a forecast. We don't, we don't have that weather yet. What I'm saying is things can turn around really, really quickly. And just because you have a good start doesn't mean you're going to have a good crop. Just because you have a bad start doesn't mean you're going to have a good crop. Remember 2019, we had a terrible start. We had a pretty good crop. So it's 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 so so i if 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 these teleconnections that we've been discussing which is a kind of a a later forming el nino in this pacific decade oscillation remaining in place through the spring through the summer growing season i do think the odds are favorable that we are going to get at least 
at least a uh, drought weather scare in the central eastern Rima. Now, it may not turn out to be 2012. I mean, that was a one in 50 year drought, and that was pretty extreme. Does it? But but it, maybe it could be. But I'm just saying. I think in the least, we're going to get uncomfortably hot, dry weather in that central eastern grain belt, which we have not gotten in a long time. And if you re- we've learned in the last couple of years, unless you get that area in trouble, you're still going to have a pretty good corn crop and pretty good soybean crop. Yes, it could be off by a little, but not by a lot. I mean, we had drought all over the place, but that area was good. The 350 bushel corn came out and it was not too bad. So that's the setup. And we're getting all the speculators getting bearish, getting, you know, starting to sell the market and get short and everybody getting bearish and farmers panic selling into the hole, which is all the kind of things you look for psychologically for the setup for kind of a significant reversion when everybody realizes they've just gotten on the wrong side of the boat as the boat's ready to go the other way. So I think if I'm thinking this through, uh, a livestock producer, and we've been talking about this on your show for months, we've been writing about it for nine months in our reports that this April, May timeframe, you know, this is a great time to be looking at bean meal feed, corn feed uh, for livestock producers, you know, getting physical purchases bought into the end of the year or protecting upside price risks. You know, this is, this is, I think something really, really smart is coming up here on the buy side. You know, we've had plenty of selling opportunities for farmers over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months on the sell side, but this is a first really good buy side opportunity that's being offered since really since 2020. So that's what we see. We don't think we're quite there yet. We don't think we're, 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 we're totally at the moment of maximum pessimism, but we also don't think we're that far away either. We think mid-May looks, if we follow the 2012 analog, probably is a place to be really thinking about that kind of, um, you know, doing that kind of thing as a livestock producer. Right on. Okay. I was, I was like going over the crop progress report highlights because it's amazing how fast they change. Just like you talked about, they can go from a little bit to a whole bunch in just a weekend. If you, if you really, when they get going, so we're going to start seeing some things, see some things rolling and get some things moving here. And it's going to be that time of the year where, um, you know, everyone's out running around with their, uh, trying to get stuff done as fast as they can. So everyone just be safe when you're out there on the during playing season, because it's, a lot of things happen and a lot of things can uh, be avoided by just taking time and, and slowing down a little bit. So, all right. So let's talk just, about, just, just, just remember Casey in 2019, we went, I'm just trying to remember exactly, but I think we went from something like, you know, 35% planted in mid June, like unheard of to like 85% planted in like one week, yeah. you know? I mean, it was just like when they, when it's time, <laughs> they could, I mean, it used to be they couldn't do that, but when you have a planter that goes across the entire country, uh, you know, and you say go, it, it they just it doesn't. Oh, it's, it's amazing how they they can get done. I mean, size ten of day record, window speed, and amazing. the job is done. A ten day window, and even it may not even need that, you know. So that's why I really focus on this warm mid May that's coming. It's just gonna we're gonna plant the whole thing. It's yeah. by the time we get to the end of May, it's just gonna be done outside of a few areas that whatever you yeah. know. So it's a uh, planter size, planter speed, technology that goes along. Technology, with it. yeah, you know, just it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's just that's why planting delays. Like I said, two thousand two was was your was your poster trial for how bad a, a, a weather scare could be. I mean, a planting cycle could be, and they really 
they wait till mid June before they move that market up. Yeah. And then and then and then everyone was got the, then the whole prevent plant acre thing that the market got excited about. And then the USDA said, nah, didn't happen. Or you know, they, they and the market collapsed. And then later on they said, Oh, yeah, we did actually have it. And you know, it's just if you're trading planting in the market in grains, it's just not a very good strategy, yeah. generally speaking. It's a rough one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a rough strategy. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So since we're in the middle of, of planting season, things are rolling, looking at diesel prices and energy prices as a whole, you still look at natural gas prices and they're still incredibly cheap for what comparatively to where they you know the rest of the marketplace you start looking at diesel prices and you're seeing some diesel prices fall a little bit but the price of oil is kind of bouncing around in that that 80 dollar mark kind of back and forth here and there so i guess sean looking at the energy market what are your thoughts there well you know the the, the opec the middle east tried to the cartel tried to uh goose the market up it never works by the way if you, it, you know they're trying to move the market up in a accelerate recession it never works. And so we had that big move from the low 70s to the mid 80s. And now we're rolling over. We're back, I don't know, 77, 78. It looks like we're going to head back down to the lows. You can't force the market up in an, in, until the market um, feels that the recession is nearing its peak. And we're not at the peak. The peak is still in front of us. Yeah. The Fed apparently is going to raise rates again here next week. A quarter of a percent, and yeah. and well, you know that's just not going to, you know, th- even though the regional banking crisis has gotten really, really quiet, we don't hear anything anymore, and they kind of papered over some, you know, they're not going to be in the business of lending money to anybody anytime soon. Without credit growth, there's not going to be strong economic growth in most businesses right now because the regional banks drive small business, a small business drives 70% of the U.S. economy and 70% of the, of, of the small business drives 70% of the U.S. employment. So, you you know, we're not there yet, Casey. And stocks can play fantasy land all they want about, oh, yeah, well, three years from now, the demand is going to be great. And so we're still going to buy whatever they're buying because we, we don't care. And they can get away with it because, you know, equities are, you know, they trade at a huge premium to asset value and you can you can dream all you want. But Cotton or corn have to live in the physical world. Today, I have to move, find a buyer and a seller, and we we can't divorce ourselves too much from what's going on on the ground. We can for a little while, but not until we get close enough. We certainly, certainly, in the least, need the Federal Reserve to say, we're done raising rates. Yeah. And they haven't said that yet. So until they say that, Hard to get excited about anything right now, Casey, in terms of the economy. Hard and and well, you know, it just looks like you know that we're getting we're going to get the PCE, uh, that hot shot inflation number that the uh, Federal Reserve says they now is their preferred number of choice to make their decisions uh, on April twenty eighth. I don't know what it's going to say. If if you ask a hundred economists, they all get it wrong anyway. Right. So. I don't know what it's going to say, but if it prints a higher number than the market's expecting, maybe it's a lower number. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe that will finally get them to say we're not going to raise next week. But you know what? I want to have a burden to hand with the Fed. I want them to actually say on TV in a press conference after their meeting, "We're done." Until I see that, we have to assume that the economy is still is going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And 
As such, markets like crude oil, markets that are sensitive to the economy, like you know, are, are going to struggle, even if people like uh, the Middle East are trying to hold supply back, it's not going to work. Yep. So, yep. So the right. good news for that is that energy is a lot cheaper, a heck of a yep. lot cheaper than it was a year ago. And that's good news because that saves money for the farmer as he goes out and he runs that equipment. He doesn't have to spend as much. And of course, his prices are lower, but you know, at least his energy bill is a lot less than it was a year ago. Yeah. I'm just looking at this here on early mornings. Uh, the uh, natural gas was $2.19 and a half cents, down seven and eight, seven and eight. So there's, you just look at that now. I mean, compared to where that was, um, well, this time last year, it was that was almost that was over ten bucks. I mean, it's just well, look at Europe. Europe actually and, and Asia actually had LNG prices trade between eighty dollars, eighty, eight zero, and a hundred. Wow. Okay. I mean, our, our you know MMBTUs, you know, right? So R two they actually trade for eighty to hundred summer fall of last year. They're now trading between fifteen to twenty. Now compared to our price, that's outrageous. Right. Compared or to 100 oh, they're yeah. like we've seen the light <laughs> we've seen it i mean they are just cranking with you know i mean the business there are just they are like in you know they're they're passing the champagne bottles around because they can they can actually run run their operations again you yeah know? it's crazy it's crazy how unbelievable unbelievable the overreaction to that and then how how fast it snapped back and how violently because it's now it's lower now than it was when it took off so i mean it's by a lot so it's it's parabolic uh, rises tend to do that generally speaking and you know when you have a warm short winter uh obviously the most important factor to energy prices at least natural gas prices is uh heating demand during the winter you know we really really got bailed out on a short warm winter which was something we warned about you know that this was not likely going to be the uh energy crisis and it doesn't mean the energy crisis year is not coming yeah. it is but you can't have a short, warm winter and get an energy crisis. I don't care how tight your supplies are. Um, and, you know, look, when you all put some, thank God it happened. Thank God we had a, a warm, short winter because it, it, if, it, if, we had, if we had a normal or really, you know, bad winter, the consequences humanitarian-wise, Casey, it, it would have been, oh, yeah. been a, a epi- an apocalyptic event. Um, so thank God that we kicked the can down the road at least a little while and gives more time for the market to figure something else out or find a different way. You know, the longer you have time to think about something, even politicians, <laughs> the more time you have to at least do a few things right. So time's on your side, you know, but, but I'm just, it's, it's very fortunate that we, we avoided what could have been you know, one of those incredible monumental events in history had it occurred. So. Right. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so you have a uh, cold storage report out this afternoon. Um, you've got cattle prices that are still just, you know, powering through all the stuff. Cash hogs are kind of back and forth. You know, you get one day of really good gains, and you lose it all the next or the next three days, and you get one day of gain type of deal. So I guess looking at the livestock markets, Sean, what are you, what's your thoughts there? It's, it's, it's just hard to believe that the pork demand domestically is as weak as the pork cutout is suggesting. It's just terrible. Um, you would think there'd be more value buyers and, and, you know, considering how high beef prices are, you just, you just would think there'd be some better support for the market. Uh, I mean, the, if you just look it up, the, when we actually have pork uh, cutout futures, 
uh, market now. And you can look at the price on a daily, daily basis, uh, futures-wise. It's just a crash. It, it just shows you how tough the economy is becoming. Even more startling is how strong the beef price continues to be in a very, very poor economy. One would have expected the demand at such a high beef price to have backed off some. And it doesn't mean that it won't, but it's amazing how resilient the beef demand has been up to this point. Um, having said that, you know, there comes a time where even the most stubborn markets eventually give way. And, 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 and as the economy continues to get worse, I still don't believe that we've that the beef demand is non-cyclical or non economically sensitive. I still believe there's an economic component to it that's going to show itself here. And like we saw with the pork cutout price, where all of a sudden out of nowhere, it just dropped like a stone. I think we're going to wake up one week and just see that the beef cutout price just collapsed out of nowhere. And, you know, on Friday, we got the first bearish uh, cattle on feed report we've seen in a very long time. Um, not so much that the cattle on feed, it was up maybe you know, 1% above expectations, but the placements we're up 4% above what the expected number was. And even though the market yesterday was down a little, but it didn't react too much. I mean, that that's that's kind of like, you know, the first warning shot across the bow that maybe, you know, August prices are at marginal all-time highs here that maybe the market has gotten a little ahead of itself on what's really going on. And if we string another catalog fee report on the next one that's, bearish again i i find it hard. i don't think that the i think the cattle market can dilute itself into dismissing one bearish report but i don't think it can dismiss two of them so i would really be thinking that you know there's gonna be a lot of nervousness about this the next cattle on feed report and whether or not that um this was just a one-off bearish report or or, or it's actually leads to some momentum and we finally get that break in the cattle market that many have been expecting to see and 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 should vent you know in every bear market and commodities there's always one or two markets that are the last to fall um and obviously cattle is going to be is one of those last ones to fall but they always get around i always call they always circle the wagons and get to the last one to fall before the commodities turn back up again and start a new resurgence so i have to believe before we make a low in commodities Sometime here later this spring, the cattle market's going to see, you know, some kind of a speculative liquidation event. And by the way, they are very, very long, uh, the cattle market right now. And 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 I just don't see that they're going to be willing to stay in there uh, all through the spring and not decide to take some chips off the table. I've been wrong a little bit on this market. It's been stronger than I've been expecting, but I'm still going to hold to that. And, and in terms of a producer, I don't care what you think the market's going to do. If you don't sell current prices heading into the summer, you know, I just think you're asking for trouble. The prices are good. Um, and I just think you need to take some money home on the farm. I just think it's the right thing to do. You have plenty of time to sell a higher price in the fall and in 24, if they go much higher than we think they're going to, but boy, when you, when you're given a gift horse like this, after what you expect, you know, after they, what they experienced the last couple of years with fires and COVID, I mean, I just think if you don't sell, you're 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 just not thinking not thinking right, in my personal opinion. So right on. Okay. All right, Sean. Good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what's going on at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our web <coughs> website is Hackett H A C K E T T Advisors.com. Our Twitter page is at Ferradix11. We have a LinkedIn page as well. 
you know, we put interviews up there from time on market to market and other things that we do in different uh, to kind of go over some of our cycles, some of our work and some of our forecasts. And if people want to kind of, you know, keep a general idea of what, what we're thinking, uh, obviously your, you know, your show and your, your Twitter page and your YouTube channel, um, you know, that's places to keep it, you know, keep tabs with us. Right so. on. <laughs> right on, Sean. I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks Casey. Always a blast. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. And like Sean talked about, over on the YouTube channel at Moving Iron Podcast, check it out there. Go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related and all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. If you're interested in that, go to the website and you can register there. Uh, or you can just send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com and I can direct you to the right place and, and uh, get you um, get you signed up there as well. So if you're one of the first 150 people to sign up, you get a $50 discount from the folks over at Axon Tire, and they will take care of that for you. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour. We're Sean Hackett. It's going to be smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. In the 21st century Hard work